What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 71 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Lucas Agan, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Smith. Ryan, I know that you got to escape this past weekend, so how was it? How was the how was the outdoors? I, I You know, it's been so long since I've been offline. It was amazing. We went fishing. The kids caught a bunch of fish. I didn't catch anything. I'm terrible. Uh, but still, at least we were able to catch some stuff. But really, it was just, it, I mean, it just felt good getting outdoors, being outside. We were camping for a couple of days uh, over at uh, um, the campgrounds, Lake Diaz over in California, by mammoths so it was just really nice to to unplug and not have my phone on me even though i did miss the uh world's first uh for destiny 2 both the glass 2.0 came out this weekend so i'm gonna have to go back and watch that i'm hoping here in the next couple weeks to be able to get that in but other than that uh it's been good how about yourself my friend my weekend was good a lot of mass effect a lot of mass effect i just It is just so much fun revisiting that series. And, you know, I've mentioned this before. This is my girlfriend's first experience with that trilogy. And so it's just been so much. There's so much dialogue. Like, you can just get lost in just talking to everybody. And we also revisited Miles Morales a little bit. And I was just reminded how much, how awesome that series is. And I can't wait for Spider-Man 2 proper. But enough about us. We are very excited to be joined by a very special guest. You know her as the voice of Delilah in Firewatch, Nora in Call of the Sea, and Grace in the recently released Vanishing Grace. Sissy Jones is joining us today. Sissy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? We are well, and <laughs> to keep up with tradition, I just have to say, I love, 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 love Firewatch. Such an awesome and emotional game. And so we're just, I'm just so pumped to talk to you about that later. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I love that game. It's it's uh, it's one I will always hold really near and dear to my heart. It's really special to me, too. So thank you. <laughs> No problem. I think I think that's true for a lot of gamers there. I think that's a special one for, for a lot of us. But before we jump into that, Ryan, I'm going to let you unleash some thoughts you had about a little, just a little change coming to Overwatch. It's time for my rant. No. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, so they, they did a developer's... Um, uh, thing this past weekend and and they went into details about what we're going to be getting for Overwatch 2. Uh, you know, if you, if you guys been listening, you guys know I'm super pumped for this game. They're making a huge change and they're actually going to make the game 5v5. And of course, if you if you play Overwatch, you could probably guess which class is 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 losing a a person. It's going to be a tank class, and I don't understand it. It does not make sense to me why they would make this change. I feel like that was something that I I, I like the six v six. Um, I it feels right, you know, and I get it, and I, especially coming out with something like this. You know what I mean? They're going to want to make some changes and stuff like that. I haven't had a chance to go deep dive into. Uh, why they're making this change per se. I do know, however, I think to mitigate some of the, um, you know, that change in particular, I believe they're going to be buffing and changing all the tanks. 
Um, so they're going to be making them beefier and, and I guess more sustainable and whatnot. If you play games like these, um, you know, the tank role is super important. You know, that's how you're able to make pushes or defend and whatnot. The thing that I'm concerned about is that if you only have one tank, you have people like Zarya or you have people like uh, Winston or somebody like that who is an off tank. I don't know how viable an off tank is going to be in a single tank meta. Again, I'm not one to to sit there and just, you know, be like, oh, it's going to be trash. I, I, I don't like it, whatever. Um, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to be monitoring this and seeing what kind of changes. But this absolutely broke my heart. It's like as, a, <laughs> as somebody that plays tanks, it's like, why you got to do me like this, man? What's it going to do to Q times? Like, come on. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It'll. Well, the other thing, too, it's going to be interesting is this is going to completely change the way uh, competitive the competitive series works and the Overwatch League and stuff like that. I assume that um, Overwatch is essentially the the PvP and the PvE are all going to be in Overwatch, too. So maybe they have some sort of classic mode or something where it's still the six, uh, the six V six instead of the five V five. I don't know. It, it, this was just shocking to me. I wasn't expecting it, and I got, I got, I was like, I got rant about it. <laughs> it seems rare for, especially a game like Overwatch, to make such a drastic change with it not because the community was like demanding it, right? Like, I like, I don't feel like, like, the, I, I, you just never see this happen. Like, like this seems, I, and I know they have the reasons, and I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they in the obviously in their calculation this was an improvement, but it just shocks me, right? Like it, this wasn't the community going and outraging, you know, that we need five v five instead of six v six. Like this, this seems like this would be a move by a game that was struggling early on to try and like shuffle the deck a little bit. Like this is not usually the case for a successful game that has spawned a professional league and all that stuff. So that. That is really surprising. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand that. Now, I'm not as heavy into Overwatch as you, Ryan, but I mean, that is, it's such a drastic change that you just wonder what led to that decision making. Like, I would be fascinated if we could ever find out that whole process of, of the lead up. Not that we ever will, but that would be fascinating to me. Ryan, I know that obviously this is a, a hugely controversial change. Does this temper your expectations for Overwatch 2? Well, not for me. Uh, in particular, the whole excitement for me about Overwatch 2 is getting that PvE aspect. Um, other than that, I think, I mean, they're going to bring in some new maps and stuff like that. But um, as you can see here, but really this doesn't change anything for me in in regards of that i'm really excited about the pve still and and what i was saying too was that you know we lost papa jeff uh here about a month or so ago so i don't know if this change was something that was already planned beforehand or is if it's just new leadership coming in and shaking things up i can't imagine that that's the case i i feel like this is something that they had already planned on doing from the get-go so it's not surprising and and again i i feel like you know there's a there's a lot of people that that you know what i mean they i, I feel like they the, the momentum for overwatch has really slowed down uh, it's been over a year since we've gotten any new characters uh any any new things and stuff like that so i i think people are i, I 
the way I see it is going with an open mind. Am I salty about losing a tank? Yes. I say lose a DPS because I don't ever play DPS. I'd be cool with it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure there's a there's a reason behind what they have in mind. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and just how how they flesh out, you know, what I mean, beefing up these other tanks or beefing up the tanks to make a, a one tank meta a, a viable option. So it'll be interesting to see. And I'll definitely be looking forward uh, to more details or or and I need to do a little more investigating myself to see if they're and why their reasoning for making these changes are but I'm still excited for Overwatch 2 I don't care but I still had to rant about it <laughs> <laughs> you know sissy let me let me ask you cuz cuz I know obviously a lot of your games have these emotional arcs that that really get people engrossed I think in those kinds of games the danger if, if you want to call it that, is that not everybody might agree with where the story ends or they have like an ending envisioned in their head that might go a different way from what the game creators have done. How do oh, you, you mean like Firewatch? <laughs> <laughs> How- no, I didn't get any hate mail on that one, I swear. <laughs> How how do you handle that when when like fan reaction can be so strong because they think it should have gone a different way? Yeah, I mean, I can have as many opinions as I want, but at the end of the day, I'm not the writer. I'm mm-hmm. not the creative head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to turn in the most viable performance I can. Um, I knew when we were recording the ending to Firewatch, it was going to be polarizing. But I also knew that no matter, even if they had a thousand people working on the game to make the the human faces, which they didn't, they had eight people working on the game, which faces are very expensive. There was no way that they could have shown Delilah that would have worked for everyone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so I kind of like that it's left to your imagination. You know, other games like Life is Strange or or even Call of the Sea, you know, you get a choice. You might not like the choice, but you get a choice <laughs> and it makes people, it gets people talking. So I would rather have that than a pretty red bow wrapped up, you know, at the end. Because I think we've all seen the the Disney ending, right? And that's not fun that's not interesting it's not Mm -hmm. it's not life you know so it's it's kind of fun to to explore these different scenarios that that may or may not end the way you want them to (laughs) you know that kind of reaction is is unfortunately one of the the ugly sides about this industry is there something that you had to tell yourself to prepare or was was that was that unexpected necessarily to you like was there was that something that you had to kind of mentally and emotionally get ready for Yes. Um, for the most part, the characters that I've done uh, have been pretty liked. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. when Katya died in The Walking Dead, um, people were like, no, no, Katya, you know. However, my friend Nikki uh, was Lily in The Walking Dead. And God, she got some serious crap for that character. Same. I mean, look at what happened with Last of Us 2 and Laura Bailey, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a it's a strong character making a choice that not everybody loves and it's not her ch- choice. It, it is the studio's choice and so to deal with the the fallout from that can be terrifying. But also, bearing in mind I work a lot in animation as well and it's such a different medium, obviously. Like in animation, you're watching a thing happen. You are watching in third person. You see the thing happen to the clones in the Clone Wars. I don't know. So it's not as personal. In a game, you are experiencing it first person, right? And mm-hmm. so 
it can feel like it is happening to you and the emotional gut punch can be that much stronger. So the fact that emotions are being pulled out and expressed is what games are all about. I do wish sometimes there was a little more of an acknowledgement that uh, I am not my character. Um, Mm -hmm. We're not doing this for death threats. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want you to try to come after my family. You know, it's uh, yeah, it, it can be a bit much for sure. And, you know, I, yeah, we could, we could spend hours just talking on that one topic and, and it's, it's, oh my goodness. It's, it's like, like I said, it's the, one of the ugly sides of this industry that you wish people could show a little more compassion and understanding. And hopefully that's starting to change. Hopefully knock on wood. We'll see. see. Uh, I did want to bring up one more topic here. And so we know obviously that the Uncharted movie is coming out later this year. Sony, however, is denying that a long rumored God of War movie is in development, (laughs) which kind of surprises me, to be honest. Like, like if you think about Sony's franchises, God of War seems like a very cinematic franchise, just kind of like Uncharted is. Um, and you could either take that two tracks now, right? Like the older games could be played more as like a straight action movie. And obviously with the most recent God of War was a much more emotional arc to it too. So like you feel you feel like those that could be very cinematic and translate well given the right talent. Um, so I'm actually surprised that they're saying that it's not. Maybe maybe it's dependent on the success of Uncharted. Like if, if Uncharted is really well received, maybe that will help green light uh, a God of War. But think about it. So you've got Uncharted happening. They've just announced The Last of Us is getting um, Mm -hmm. adapted, right? Um, Game studios in particular are notoriously secretive. They Mm -hmm. want to maximize the hype cycle as much as they possibly can. So if you've got two massive franchises that have already been announced, why would you heap a third on? Why wouldn't you wait until the hype for those has already gone and then you can announce right. yours and get your own hype instead of writing on the coattails of Nathan Drake. Right. That's true. Um, so I get it. I, I, and I have no idea. Like, do you want to talk secrecy? I am signed to within an NDA of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about a God of War, anything. Um, all I know is that game studios are secretive and they like to maximize a hype cycle. So, yeah. Sissy, I think you make a good point. Yeah, because they I mean, it really is about that hype cycle. And and we've seen it go great, you know, playing that hype cycle. We've also seen it go very terribly uh, for for people. Let's say they cast, I don't know, some rando to be Kratos. Everybody Mm -hmm. and their brother's going to freak out. Like if (laughs) if I were doing this movie. Um, and I wasn't going to choose the original actors to portray themselves in the movie, but not that I'm bitter about that. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I I would wait until I had my cast set so that I wasn't saying, hey, we're going to do this thing and have the entire Internet explode with, oh, here's who you should cast. If you don't cast this, I'm boycotting. Mm-hmm. Right. I would be like, here's my cast. They're phenomenal. We went through a whole thing. Deal with it. You know what I mean? Um, right. Rather than, but I wanted Chris Hemsworth and I wanted Robert Down. I don't know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just to be like, these are the decisions we've already made. Get hyped. It's going to be rad. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, obviously, you're no stranger to rumors, excitement. Of, of added possible adaptations and, and then have like a, a news blackout happen. <laughs> if like, okay, 
let me ask this as a hypothetical here. Maybe this will allow an answer. <laughs> what what would it mean to like have the chance to revisit a character as a movie form and maybe get to explore different aspects that you didn't in the game just due to like the different mediums? Well, I mean, Firewatch has been optioned. They are supposedly mm. making a movie. And if I don't get to be involved in some way, it will break my heart. You know, I know everyone's like, oh, get Scarlett Johansson. And that's great. But like, <laughs> why? You know, I know I'm not a household name and that's fine, but you don't ever see Delilah. She is me. Like Sean wrote mm-hmm. her in large part based on my personality. I'm a smart ass. I like my scotch. Um, you know, and so <laughs> if that movie gets made and I don't get a chance to be involved in some way, shape or form, it will break my heart. I would love to revisit her. She was one of the most fun characters. Working with Rich was a dream. Working with Sean was a dream. You know, you don't get a character like that doing what I do. A lot of it is (laughs) giant cans and not much dialogue. So, you know, to be able to have a character like this who is fully fleshed out and fun and interesting and flawed and, and elicits certain feelings from people, like, I think it's just it's a dream. Of course I would want to go back to that. And it's crazy too that they, sorry, it's like, I think it's crazy though, especially with mocap, you know, being used more and more. I mean, it is the people, you know, that are in the game. So it's like, if they're going to make a, a movie adapted, I don't know why you don't then take that same person and boom, slap them in there. You know what I mean? It yeah. makes sense to me. I, yeah. And, you know, everybody's celebrity obsessed and they want someone that's going to get butts in seats. And mm-hmm. OK, but also, you know, there was a time when nobody knew who Chris Hemsworth was when he right. was cast as Thor. And listen, not that I'm as hot as Chris Hemsworth. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but, you know, I I think it also, it, for example, my dear friend, uh, Yuri Lowenthal was uh, the Prince of Persia. And Mm -hmm. when the movie was made, he was like, oh, my gosh, how fun would it be? What a great Easter egg would it be for the fans if I was like a guard that um, the very Persian Jake Gyllenhaal got to punch out? Mm -hmm. And uh, they just iced him like there was no communication. There's nothing. And like, come on. You know, he he played this character in multiple iterations of the game. And there's this weird kind of subclass within the entertainment industry that voiceover is not like acting and i call shenanigans so anyway that's all (laughs) yeah it's it's always challenging for me in any adaptation because like when you play the games first like i I guess this is true in, in almost any adaptation whatever your first experience with that that iteration becomes like the definitive version for for myself and so it's always hard for me to see somebody else step into a role when you've gotten used to a voice, a mannerism. Could you, you know, imagine Fem Shep as anyone other than Jennifer Hale? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right? And so like I And I, does that and does that contribute to a lot of adaptations tanking? I think so. Like honestly, I think so. And it, it's funny because when you mention obviously they want names to sell tickets, but I almost think in the in, in video games the video game property will sell tickets. It's just the matter of that right. quality of the adaptation then that takes yeah. over. I could care sure. less who, you know, if if in uh, Uncharted, like I don't care if it was Tom Holland or Joe off the street. It matters to me is, is it what we got from the game? So like, yeah. I, Does you, it respect hope- the original IP? 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which, and I will credit them. Uh, Nolan North was a consultant, has been a consultant on that set. So, you know, I love that. Okay. Maybe he can't portray Nathan Drake in his early 20s. Um, but the fact <laughs> that they're having him in there to, to, to help like that, that is such a huge sign of respect for the work that he has done for that franchise. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy is Nathan Drake and he is, he's a tremendous actor. He's a tremendous human. He's just kind and lovely. And he's the kind of person that you, you, you want to cheer on, you know? So I was, I was really happy to see that they had him involved at least partly in the the making of it. Well, and I think they made a smart move too, by going in and being not, not doing a story, uh, that of the later, you know what I mean, uh, uh, Nathan Drake in the video games, but going back to him being young and doing it from there, I think was a really smart decision from them. Uh, cause then you get, you know, that opens up the world. You're not having to try to retell these stories from the game or anything like that. It's something, it's almost like yeah. it's something new and I can then jump into that universe. And, I mean, and how I many hours, that. how many hours of Uncharted are there? Let's say the first Uncharted is 40 hours of gameplay and you're going to cram that into two hours of movie. Right. No wonder they're often not fully formed. I mean, it's impossible. Right. So, so I think with last of us, they're making it into a TV show. Is that right? Yes, correct. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me because you're not trying to hamstring this, (laughs) you know, (laughs) this, this epic saga into a two, maybe three hour. I don't know. Cut fest. Right. Right. Totally. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they could. I, I would totally be here for the God of War is I, you know, I love it. I love the series. So I'm huge. And yeah. And, and just the mythology of it and everything like that. Like you could do a lot with that. So I'm hoping and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this is legit, but I would rather see it as a TV show than a movie, because exactly like you're saying, you're trying to take all this and cram it into this little box, this little two yeah. hour, two and a half hour window. Yeah. And, now, see, Firewatch, and it, I can see as a movie. You just get the Wreck It Ralph hands and you walk around. But, <laughs> you know, the actual story can be condensed pretty, pretty succinctly. And that makes sense to me as a movie. Uncharted, God of War, Last of Us, forget about it. I mean, it's that's there's so much lore and so much incredible story that needs to be told to make it make sense to the general public, which like. The fact that games are more massive than movies and television and the NBA and the NFL and all of that combined tells mm-hmm. me that what has been done in the game has already been done for the mass public, right? So it's just, you know, shoehorning it into a different audience, which, you know, I get. But also I, I hate to see the, uh, the, the utter throwing under the bus of, of what was done originally. Couldn't agree like more. <laughs> no, no. Preach! Preach, because that is truth. That is truth. Uh, anyway, we want to get back and 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 talk with Sissy. Let's take a quick break. And then on the other side, it's all about Sissy. We'll be right back, guys. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks to for thanks for listening to that short message. And now comes the fun part of the episode. And I just have to start with Firewatch, just because I love that game so much. I, I just 
I have to start there. (laughs) What (laughs) I remember watching the reveal at E3 and originally I'm like, that's an intriguing looking game. But then actually experiencing it was like so much more of an emotional journey than like I was ready for. Like I was I tried to come in kind of blind after that initial reveal. So like I was just floored about that whole story. Can you talk about crafting Delilah and what you saw in that story that stood out to you? I, God, I love her so much. Um, So I had worked with Sean Vanneman and Jake Rodkin on The Walking Dead, um, Mm -hmm. which was my first job as a voice actor. Katya was my second audition ever, first job ever. So I knew the kind of emotional punches that they could go for. And Sean approached me and was like, hey, you know, uh, we've left Telltale. We've started our own company. We're writing a game with a female protagonist. Are you in? And I was like, yes. Uh, Is there a question? and so we we kind of started, you know, working through it. And um, they had me do several test reads. Uh, there was a time when her name was Alice, Alice Eastman. And um, they had me do, you know, a couple of different uh, uh, scenarios where, you know, what does she sound like when she's feeling paranoid? And what does she sound like when she's like flirting and falling in love? And what does it sound like when she's doing this? And so I really kind of started to understand that, like, she was going to be the full meal deal, you know, and mm-hmm. um it, you know, it took them a while to find their Henry. And then once they did, bam, I mean, we just, we just hit the ground running. And the more time Sean spent with Rich and I, the easier it was for him to write the characters because he infused a lot of our own personalities um, and quirks within these characters. And so, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm a bit of a smart ass and uh, I, I like to kind of take the piss out of people every now and then. And um, so he, he, <laughs> put that in there for her which i love and you know like the whole like what you saw somebody oh my god there's something i have to tell you it's it's outside people come and go as they please it's it's mayhem you know like that's just that's me um and it was so fun to get to be this this dork and um to have people respond to her the way they did was just a dream come true i mean it really and it has been every day since i just i love i love her I love that game. I love the story. I know people are are split on the end, but the way Sean explained it to me was, you know, back in the 80s before, you know, the advent of the Twitters, if you went away to a camp and you met somebody that you really, really clicked with and you, you know, you would say, oh my God, we're going to be pen pals for life. And, mm-hmm. and you would maybe keep in touch for like a, a week and then it just kind of peters out. But for that one chunk of time, it was perfect. It was exactly what you needed at exactly the right time. And that that felt so true to me with Henry and Delilah, you know, so I just I just loved it. You know, and, and obviously your performance was was well deservedly uh, praised. And, you know, you touched on it before the break, talking about having to to uh show emotion through your voice, which is especially important for a character like Delilah, since, you know, that's, we don't even get the benefit of, of a uh, rendered model. So when you're working on, on showing those different emotions, how challenging was it to portray that strictly through your voice and having to, to get people to, to feel all these, this, this range of feelings throughout the game? This is going to sound arrogant as hell, but it wasn't because that's my job. I mean, that is that is voiceover in a nutshell. You know, 
I we we don't get the luxury of facial expressions and body language. We have to convey it with this hole in our face. And mm-hmm. um and so for me it was just I mean it, that role is the epitome of what voiceover can do. Right? The way it can make you feel the 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 fact that you don't get a rendered ver- a rendered version of her and you have to decide how you feel about her solely based on the way she makes you feel. I love that. I love that. That's my favorite part of the game. You don't you don't get to see, oh my god, she's super hot or mm, totally not my type or what? Who no. It is does she make you laugh? Does she make you feel things? Does she annoy you? You know, is this someone you want to continue a conversation with or is this someone you want to ignore? Don't ignore her. That's just rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but that that role really truly is the apex of of voiceover for that reason. And and I know too with the acting, you know, you're 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 always putting some of yourself in there. And you said that this character, uh, Delilah, um, you know, I mean, was crafted around you. How is it when you when you are coming up and you and you're working these characters and and getting this? What, is there anything that you do specifically, like get into the mindset of these characters, or you know, tell tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, each character is going to be. A really different story. Although I will say Katya and Joyce in Life is Strange were very similar to me for for uh, for the same reason. They they are both women who have suffered greatly at the expense of men, and uh, and and I they both reminded me very much of someone who is very very important in my life. And it was easy for me to find that pain for both of them. You know, Delilah, like I said, was kind of just like putting on an old pair of shoes. Like I just I I know who she is through and through. So it's funny, like on on TikTok, people will be like, do Delilah. And I'm like, well, I I, ha- I am like, literally, <laughs> this is me. there you go. Um, but, you know, like uh, like Commander Sloan, right. In Destiny 2, she's um, yes, she's a uh, she's military. So she's going to be tough. She, you know, shoulders back and 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 everything else. But she also kind of talks a little bit like she's royalty, even though she doesn't have a British accent. You know, on her planet, she is she is basically royalty. And every word she says has meaning, um, you know, and so that kind of thing. She she does not speak in contractions because royalty doesn't. They want you to to hang on every word they say. Um, things like that, like the little the little pieces that I can find for each of those characters. Um, but then also, you know, what are their hopes? What is, what's their biggest fear? You know, what are they trying to achieve? And, you know, with games, it can be easy to cheat because it's like, okay, player, here's your mission. But if you take that out of it, if you take the perfunctory nature of the dialogue out of it and actually think about how, how do I want to make player feel in this scenario, and what are my means to achieve that? That helps me very much understand what's happening. Yeah, what I love about a lot of the games you've been in is they've been very challenging story-wise. Like, like it is a roller coaster of emotions throughout. And I think Call of the Sea is no exception to that. And... Oh. Let me let me just start here. I, I'm going to cheat a little bit. Spoiler warning. I'm going to get everybody like two seconds to pause and skip ahead here. Okay. In your mind, in your mind, is there a definitive answer to what choice Nora would choose? God, you know, that's a really tough question. That's a really tough question. And the thing that makes it so tough is that 
the love that she has with her husband isn't run-of-the-mill love. Mm -hmm. And it's also not puppy love. Like, it's a very mature, lived-in, pure, true love. You know what I mean? They have, they've problems, but they've gotten past it. They've, they've grown together as people. And it's really hard to walk away from something like that, especially when you find that your true nature is something entirely different. And if you ignore that, you are going to make your partner suffer by having to watch you slowly die. I mean, it's, that's a really tough question. And originally there was no choice, but they they went back and and made a choice uh, option at the end, which I love. Really, um, there originally wasn't a choice. Yeah, and I will let you figure out which one they had in the original. But um, <laughs> it's I just I love her, and and the thing about that character is that um, you know they wanted a, a mid Atlantic da 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 da, and I was like, she's not that girl. She's timid and shy, and she doesn't want to be seen. She doesn't want to be uh, acknowledged by the general public writ large. Like she, she wants to kind of be in the background. And so I made her a little bit more um, uh, uh, shy and quiet and um, introspective when speaking as her, because she's not going to be a loud, boisterous character. You know what I mean? God, I love working on that game. I loved working on that game and getting to work with Yuri. I mean, come on. <laughs> Freaking Spider-Man. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. All right. He's the greatest. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of trust that you get from the, the creative team to, to, for you to be able to say, hey, that's, I don't think this is how she would sound. D- does that come naturally? Does that come through prep work? Um, yes. And also, you know, I always want to be open to what they have to say. You know, if they come to me and they say, no, it has to be this way, I'll be like, okay, I will find a way to make it happen. Um, But luckily with this one, it was so collaborative. I mean, Out of the Blue Studios is such a great group of people. They're based in Spain and uh, they have a female creative director and they were super, super open to collaborating with me and and hearing my feedback, which was really nice. Um, We don't often get that, but to be able to have that say in this character was so liberating um and it it made me love the process that much more you know because i felt like i wasn't just a dancing monkey like i actually got to suggest things which was really nice (laughs) well that i mean that yeah that in its sense is that true collaboration you're right a lot of times you're just told you know that's hey we want it this way so being able to put yourself into into that moment and say no i think it'd be this way and uh, you know that is where that true collaboration comes from yeah. Uh, which is really exciting. I, I, I've got to ask if, uh, you know, is there a character that you have yet to really get to explore or is there um, Jane Bond? A, a, Jane Bond? Jane Bond. I want to do yes. Jane Bond. I do. I want to make it happen. It's time. Um, I think I would have a time of my life doing that character. That would be amazing. <laughs> Are you listening? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was just gonna say the timing could not be more perfect since right? I was working on one. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean listen, I I would I can I swear on this show? Yeah, would, we can bleep it out. <laughs> I would shit twice and die if I got the opportunity to do that. I just think it would be so much fun. I you know, like 
I appreciate all the work that is um, happening for for women now, and it's it's amazing, and uh, and it's time to step that up a little bit more. <laughs> I completely agree. I completely because you know because I know everybody that makes decisions at IO is probably listening to this. I know they are. <laughs> That's kidding. right. So so when this happens and you start to win your like game awards for best performance, <laughs> you, we can be like like third on your list of people to thank. Like. <laughs> <laughs> You're damn right. You're damn right. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> you know, when you look back on on the just such the variety of characters you've gone into play, is there one that you wish you could go back and in in like a dream world do a sequel and explore them some more? I mean, I I would go back to Delilah any day of the week. Absolutely. Um, someone I would go back and explore. I think Joyce would be a really interesting retrospective you know maybe like a prequel of her life to to how she got to where she was and Mm -hmm. um you know what led her to be so broken why is she in oregon with a southern accent i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know in my head i have i have headcanon but uh but it was never really explored in the game you know i think it could be really really interesting i also really loved a lot of the characters i got to do on the walking dead there were nine of them (laughs) and you know what in The Wolf Among Us, here's one. In The Wolf Among Us, I did Kelsey Brannigan, and we recorded a whole, like, three days worth of audio for her where there was this whole um, side plot where she and Bigby had a thing, and then um, it, it didn't end up working out because he couldn't be with a, a human. And I would love to explore that. She was an, an awesome character, and I'd love to go back to her. But it all ended up on the cutting room floor. So. Oh, I wish that wouldn't have. That sounds like that would have been... <laughs> Such an amazing subplot. Like, oh, man. <laughs> that it makes was, me it sad. Cool. R.I.P. Telltale. Yeah. Um, but yeah. What would you say, I mean, for for those that are looking to get into uh, voice acting and stuff of that nature, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that's just starting out or or is looking to kind of grow? I get this question probably 50 times a week, and I give the same advice every time. Number one, there is a website called IWantToBeAVoiceActor.com. It was put together by D. Bradley Baker, who's one of the workingest humans on the planet. He does all the creature sounds in all the things. He was Appa in Avatar The Last Airbender, and he does everything. Like, you, you go to that guy's IMDb page, and it's like just endless scroll. Um, <laughs> so he put together this entire web page that has every iota of information you could possibly want. He has coaches listed, demo producers, acting classes, um, steps, agents, brilliant. Acting, 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 and then a little bit more acting is uh, is the best possible way to, to get a foot into this. Um, I had a student the other day who was like, I'm taking cl- classes at this and such a thing. And I said, is it a voiceover specific class? And she said, yes. And I said, well, tell me some of the acting that you've been doing. And she said, Oh, we're not doing any acting. There's no act. It's just reading. And I was like, you getting built like you need to run. Um, Anybody that tells you that voice acting is not acting is um, a snake oil salesman. And please run. I would also caution that (laughs) anybody that promises you a demo within a specific amount of time is also wasting your money. It takes a different time frame for every single person. It's never quick. It's never cheap. It's never overnight. Um, It took me two solid years of 
straight classes and teaching myself to engineer so that I could sit in on the classes I couldn't afford to take um, mm -hmm. to get my demo and to get signed. And that was considered quick. I also came from zero acting background, so really immersing myself in that. Um, anyway, acting classes, local theater, high school classes, I don't care. Whatever you can, any which way you can learn to act is going to help you tremendously. Also, just start reading out loud. If you have kids in your life, <clears throat> read their books to them in different characters every night. It's really fun, and uh, it's a great way to develop characters. And then check out that website, because once you start acting enough, you're going to want to get a demo. Once you get a demo, then you can start reaching out to agents and um, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, it's it's never overnight and it's never cheap. So just know that anyone that tells you anything differently is selling something. If I can ask about your history into acting here, what got you down this track? What what made you want to become an actor? It's funny. Uh, I always wanted to be an actor, but I remember telling my parents when I was like six, I want to be an actress when I grow up. And they were like, oh, uh, no, you, nope, you sure don't. You want to get a, a business degree and you want to do the business. And uh, and I did. Um, I have a business degree and a Spanish degree, actually, from uh, University of Oregon and uh, took that, ended up working in the Silicon Valley, um, worked for one of the like most successful venture capital firms on the planet. And then I went to a bunch of startup companies and I was doing that life and I super hated it. I met some really great people, but I, I hated the work. It just never really felt like a good fit. I always felt like I was like a square peg and you, you get it. Right. Um, so uh, my husband and I were talking about dream jobs and I was like, I have always wanted to be a voice on The Simpsons. Eh, you probably just got to live in Hollywood. I had no idea. I didn't even know it was called voiceover. And then one morning, one particularly soul-crushing morning, I was getting ready for work, and uh, I heard Nancy Cartwright, who is Bart Simpson, on the radio promoting the Simpsons movie. And she was like, oh, my God, you guys in San Francisco, you're so lucky. You have one of the best voiceover schools in the country right in your backyard. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Who? Where? Who? <laughs> um, so I called the school that day. I started taking classes that week. And uh, two years later, I was able to uh, quit my job and get signed and and uh, start working. It was awesome. I've never looked back. Oh my goodness, that is amazing. That is awesome. Is is The Simpsons still one of your dream dreams to? I to... mean, yeah. Okay, sure. Simpsons, call me. Call me. <laughs> um, I actually, I just finished working on a show. I think I can say that I'm on it. Uh, called F is for Family on Netflix. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I love that of, show. Yeah. Yeah. I do a bunch of like side characters and I did um stand in for Laura Dern because she could never make it to the table reads and stuff like that. So I got to play her character when she wasn't there. But one of the writers is was one of the writers for The Simpsons, and I was like, You have no idea how much you've changed my life. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. It's always weird because I never want to go full fangirl, but like I get really nervous around people that I uh that I perceived to be like famous and very successful and i was like i'm not gonna pee my pants i'm not gonna pee my pants <laughs> you know just uh so awkward i'm so awkward <laughs> is it is it a weird feeling now that you that i'm sure you have fans come up to you and act like that like you're their celebrity in their eyes like how was that feeling it's awkward it's like i'm just a, I'm, a, I'm a person i'm a human like I don't know. Sometimes people will say things on Twitter like uh, or, you know, TikTok or whatever. And they're like, I don't know. 
I'm useless. Don't you blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, don't, don't say that. Cause if you believe that other people will believe that don't believe that shit. Like you're, you're worth it. You're good. You're here for a reason. Please believe in yourself too. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to ask too, just, I mean, especially in this internet culture that we live in now, like how is it navigating, especially with all the social media and you said, you know, death threats and, and people going crazy over like, look, dude, this is a character that I was playing. Like take it yeah. easy. Oh. <laughs> I am working on an animated series right now called The Owl House, which if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend. Um, season two drops June 12th, I'm just saying. But I play in season one um, a villain. And uh, and there was a minute where she was like full on canceled. I mean, it was the, the circle with the, <laughs> let's kill her, you know. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that's all right just hold on to your horses and then by the next episode she like kind of redeems herself a little bit and everyone's like do we do we still hate her how do we (laughs) do i want her to step on me like it's it's funny like there's there's all this like weird milf energy about her very it's a little i'm like ah okay yay i'm glad you like her now but also like i'm not gonna step on you so um it it can be weird it can be awkward but uh you know i think i i live to remind people that like listen i i am an actor i embody this character for a short period of time and then i go back to my regular life you know she is not me i am not her i also do not make the decisions about this character so if you want to think that okay but uh but that is not uh, sissy jones is not delilah like i it's it's some of the sorry i keep swearing um (laughs) i got a letter after that game from this guy calling me an effing c and i was like uh (laughs) he was like i can't believe you didn't wait for me and i was like well, I'm in my apartment in Studio City, so uh, yeah, um, it was a uh, it, it 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 takes a little bit of uh, I don't know. I've had to learn to thicken up my skin a little bit, <laughs> which is not yeah, easy. Yeah, no, I, I it, it's, it's it's strange to to traverse the the interwebs, uh, especially nowadays. Sissy, we don't want to take up uh, too much more of your time. Uh, tell us, where can we find you on those interwebs? And uh, what do you got going on next? Uh, you can find me on the Twitters and the IGs at Sissy Speaks and on TikTok at Sissy Jones Speaks because apparently uh, Sissy on TikTok is hate speech. So, um, oh. yeah. Uh, uh, what do I have coming out? Um I have so many things that I cannot tell you or I would have to kill you. Um, Owl House season two is coming out soon. I have a couple of different animated series I'm working on. I'm working on an amazing game right now that's not going to be out until probably next year, but it's going to be real good. And uh, several other things. And that's all I can tell you. So we. <laughs> Sissy, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much for taking your time and coming on the show. You're really lovely host. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend? I have a feeling uh, Mass Effect. Yes, still a lot of Mass Effect. (laughs) Still a lot of Mass Effect. Although I will say the fun part about uh, having guests on our show is I always want to go back and revisit all these games. So I'm probably going to go revisit Firewatch again. Like I just like I just that's a game that I've never played it. I've never played it. 
Like I remember. Why are you even re- talking right now? Yeah. What? <laughs> what do you mean? Because you're Sissy Jones. <laughs> this is just giving me all the like you would not believe. Like this is just it's just going on my list. It goes on my list. I remember it being announced. Uh, but again, if it, it it would take years to go through my backlog. But I I'm <laughs> I'm we'll to the top, man. Exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what just happened. That is exactly what just happened. Because I will Lucas. be picking it up. Lucas, very serious question. Turt Reynolds or Shelley Duvall? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go Shelley. <laughs> All right. All right. We're on opposite teams on that one, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could have a whole nother episode and debate that. <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. Ryan, what, yeah. what are you up to this weekend? Same. I'll be on my Mass Effect. I'll be playing uh, Destiny 2, grinding out this season. Hopefully get to the point. Uh, probably have to wait till next week to get that Volt of Glass in. Um, but yeah, those are those are my main ones. And at some point in time, I've been saying for forever now that I'm going to beat Metal Gear Solid 5. It is still going to happen one of, these, one of these days. But I'm still grinding through that as well. I do so. have to shout out my girl Mara Juno, who's the new voice of Ikora in Destiny 2. She is yes! a badass, and I love her, and they should have just hired her in the first place. <laughs> right? Well, not only that, but it's good to see Ikora back. You know, she's been in the tower sitting there not doing much of anything for the longest time now. So to see her get back and get some screen time and actually be a part of the story again, I'm a warlock main. Um, you know, it was was very exciting for me. So <laughs> Mara, Mara is just like, she's just the greatest. So y'all are in real good hands with her yes i love it anyway guys thank you so much for joining us on this episode of land parties don't forget check us out on the tweeters at land parties pod or at lucas Egan or smitty 2447 we hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week and you know what it is we love your faces